Going beyond the headlines? Getting to the heart of the story. Calgary Today with Joe McFarland on 770 CHQR. I love Tony's story about the staff who listed the songs they love and the ones they can't stand. And I was in Safeway earlier this week, and of course, holiday music was playing. So I said to the clerk, does this drive you crazy? And she said, I think there's only eight songs, and they have different artists for those same eight songs. She says her husband claims she is actually singing Frosty the Snowman in her sleep. So... Have a heart for those the staff of retail stores who have to listen to the same thing over and over again. It is Thursday afternoon, Thursday before the big day on Monday. And so nice to have you along. We, of course, have talked a lot about different things when it comes to Christmas. And, you know, for the most part, it is a great time of year. It's an opportunity to get together with friends and family. But this is also, unfortunately, a great time where your mental health may be put to the test because you have so many things to do, maybe so many commitments, the feeling that you haven't bought enough, you haven't baked enough. I want to talk this half hour about the importance of our mental health. Keith Keith Dobson, rather, professor of clinical psychology at the University of Calgary, joins us today. Hello, Professor Dobson. Hi, Angela. I mean, I think I've probably got listeners saying, oh, gosh, Ange, this is a festive time of year. Why do you have to talk about mental health issues? But I think it is important because a lot of people go through some tough periods during this time of year. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, there are a lot of people, of course, who go through difficult times of year, at all times of year. Uh, But the Christmas season seems to bring out a lot of the worst in people sometimes. Is it because of the fact that there's so many expectations, there's so many things to do, and you feel like you can't keep up? Yeah, I mean, in terms of psychological theory, we know that anxiety and stress tend to come before an event, whereas depression tends to come after an event if somebody sees that it's inadequate. So this time of year would be filled with stress and anxiety, and in January, of course, is when we tend to see more of the post-Christmas blues. That... With that knowledge then, let's see how we maybe can avoid those situations or make the anxious moments a little less anxious. What are some things that you want to leave with my listeners so that they are protecting their their mental health during this time of year? Yeah, uh, so I'm always reluctant to give these kinds of lists. There are many of these online, of course. Yeah. You know, there's lots of ways that people can do things. So I've got five here that I thought I would talk about briefly. Um, But, of course, each person has to figure out which are the most relevant for themselves. Is that why you're reluctant, Keith? Just because it's not one size fits all. Exactly right, yeah. What and, are some and things then? people have different experiences, of course. Yeah. For some people, like you said, it's a joyous time of year and there are no problems and no stress. Uh, for others, of course, it's a very difficult time of year. So you said you've got five that you always like to throw out there? Yeah. So the first one is really about expectations and managing expectations because we know that one of the best ways to stress ourselves is to have unrealistic expectations or thoughts about things that are going to be perfect when they may not be able to be. Uh, So especially around family, you know, images about how the family might get together or the way that relationships might emerge could be problematic. And then the other, especially in our consumer society, is around spending and gifts and, you know, the kinds of things that people think they need to do when, in fact, they may not. 
So temper those expectations or just recognize that they may be unrealistic? Um, again, for some people, they're, you know, if they have the resources and the ability and the time, you know, they can maybe meet the, the demands. But I guess the question I would ask listeners to think about is what's good enough? Mm. You know, so is, maybe it doesn't have to be perfect, but maybe good enough is good enough. <laughs> I like that one. Okay, continue on your list. Okay, the second is to remember what's important. So again, this time of year, um, you know, the reason for Christmas, of course, is uh, religious. And so many people, it's a matter of getting back to church or to to experiencing, you know, family history. Uh, for some people, it's just a social event. So again, thinking again for each person what's important to them and then trying to live consistently with that would be the second thing I would recommend. Yeah, I, I like that because you're right. Christmas means so many different things, whether it be just that time to be with family or that time to... Uh, observe your faith. So what is important in your life like it? Okay, continue. Yeah, okay. Uh, the third is to think about, um, again, not just for yourself, but, you know, what other people want around you. We actually know that one of the best ways that people get self-fulfillment is by giving to others. Mm -hmm. So this could involve either donating money to charities, which many people do this time of year, volunteering, or just simply reaching out to somebody who you maybe haven't talked to for a long time and saying something nice or doing something nice. You know, it's not a surprise, I think, that this time of year is when people write Christmas cards. And again, sometimes these are people you may not have seen or spoken to all year, but it's a time to reach out. Funny, Keith, a couple of weeks ago we did a thing, and I think fewer people are writing Christmas cards. So maybe mm -hmm. that'll be good for your mental health to take the time and write a letter to someone you haven't heard from for a while. Yeah, and, and it may not be a letter. It may be an email. It might yeah. be just simply stopping by your neighbor and saying hi, you know. That kind of thing. It could be could take a lot of different forms. Keith, I, I wonder, and, and you're probably all too familiar with love languages, I wonder if that's also a problem, that sometimes we look at other people with our love language as opposed to understanding what their love language is. I'm not sure what you mean by love oh, language. Oh, good. Then you don't know what the love language is. Okay. kinds of things that they appreciate. <laughs> exactly. Well, oh gosh, there's been so many books written on this. But the love language is, my love language is I love spending time with people. Okay. Some people's love language are words of affirmation. It might be um, gifts. So I, I sometimes feel that people give me things that they think, well, I love getting flowers. Yeah. I love getting this. But in fact, my love language is let's just go for lunch. So that's, well, there, I just, I just taught a clinical psychologist something here. Oh, that's so great. that's great. Uh, <laughs> but I wonder if when we think of people that we have to recognize maybe what they like isn't necessarily or what we like isn't necessarily what they like. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, within psychology, you know, we talk about various ideas, but basically put yourself in the other person's shoes yeah. if you can and imagine what they would value. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Can, keep going. You got a couple okay. more. Okay. Uh, the fourth one, which again, hopefully doesn't happen too often, but is getting support. Um, so again, support can take a lot of different fashions. You know, it could be talking to friends and families about issues or problems that you're struggling with. It could theoretically be talking to a professional. Hopefully that doesn't happen too often, but yeah. uh, reaching out and getting help when necessary. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and finish it off because then I'm going to fire some back at you. Okay. And then the last one I would say is taking time for yourself, mm. uh, being a little bit selfish because again, we know that people that take care of themselves are better to take care of others and to manage stress uh, as well as they can. So some of the common things that you'll see on lists would be things like trying to get as much sleep as you need, uh, don't overdrink, don't overeat, um, you know, try to keep the partying down to a limited amount. Yeah. Uh, again, a lot of us, I know, blow it badly at this time of year and put on weight and uh, don't get enough sleep and so on. But to the extent you can take care of yourself, 
do it. I'm glad you said a lot of us blow it because <laughs> does sometimes that blowing it then heap some shame on you? And I think that's that's awful when people think, oh gosh, I blew it, I blew my diet, I drank too much, I got a hangover, and they have this shame, and then that can spiral into a depression as well. Yeah, absolutely, and and not just necessarily shame, but also guilt in yeah. some cases or even anger. So, for example, if you're with your family and you feel like you have to stay up till way past your bedtime, and then you get grumpy the next day and angry at them and resentful, then that obviously isn't healthy either. Yeah, okay, I want to take a break here because um, I like your ideas and I want to throw a few back at you, especially when it comes to how we deal with family situations. Keith Dobson is my guest this half hour, professor of clinical psychology at the University of Calgary. Would love to hear from you as well, 403-974-8255. Maybe you've got some ideas or your own way of coping during what can be, I know it's supposed to be a happy time, but what can also be a stressful time. I'm Angela Cocott. You're listening to Calgary Today on 770 CHQR.